This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each and every Sunday night we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And we're heard on 22 different radio stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours. In our number three of the program, we will be devoting most of the time to non-Trump-related issues, which is probably going to make a lot of people happy. But before we move on uh, to the the non-Trump world, because there were a couple of interesting stories that I want to discuss and get Leah's take on, I I do want to give you an opportunity, Leah, to uh, provide some information you had teased earlier in the show regarding Glenn Beck's reaction to my column about the conservative media being in the tank for Donald Trump. And to be clear, this is the second time in just a few weeks that that Glenn Beck has gone way out of his way to promote my work as being prescient and brave and truthful and all that. Uh, But, you know, he's just a big old fraud. I think he I think it not that doesn't mean that what he's saying isn't true. You can still be you can be a fraud in the big picture and still say the truth from time to time. Um, and and uh, but here's the important part or not the important part, but the reason why I'm mentioning it now in neither of the two occasions where Glenn Beck went way out of his way to praise my work. Did he ever use my name? OK, now. I don't care that he didn't use my name. It's not an ego thing. I think it's interesting because in the first case, he was trying to create a false narrative about who was saying what was being said. Uh, The second one, I I just think he didn't want to give me credit or make me the issue. You say you have a theory as to why he doesn't use my name. What is it? Yeah, I think it's just the easiest answer. Um you know, I, I remember when you, when the first article came out and we had this discussion, and it could just be, Zig, as simple as this. Um, he knows what Mediate's all about, and he was handed a Mediate article, and that was that. And it's not about, because I never look. I mean, I... Have more articles that I read on a daily basis. I never look to find out who it is if I know the website. Hold on a second. Hold on. I know what I'm getting from Breitbart. No, no, hold on. The first time he did this, he created this whole narrative that the people writing this about the winners and losers in the media after Trump won New Hampshire was. Uh, the voice of the New York elite, like the the liberal New York media elite, right. is, and, Which uh, is everybody except for you on Mediaite. <laughs> okay, but he, but okay. It's, all, it's also important to point out he knows who I am, and everybody at not everybody, a lot of people at the Blaze, especially the highest people there, know who I am. Not because I'm somebody. I'm not. I'm a nobody. I'm the, I'm the first to acknowledge I am a nobody. But I've been on Glenn Beck's ra- TV and radio shows multiple times. His is his um, the people who run his website are were actually one of them was instrumental in this radio show being in existence. Another one is somebody who I know very, very, very well, Scott Baker from the Breitbart 
era uh, before right. he went to the Blaze. Uh, he basically runs the Blaze. They know who I am. Um, right. And, but what I'm saying and it's, is, oh, wait, hold on a second. It's also standard operating procedure when you're going to read someone's column on the air, which is what Beck did. Do you read? Do you say whose name it is? It's just no, courtesy. No, 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 hold no, on no. a second. No, yes, it's it not. Is. No, it's not. That's a lie, Leah. You just lied. No, that is a no. lie. That is an absolute lie. I've never in my life read an opinion column on the air without telling people whose opinion it is. That's it's absurd. And then finally, nope. finally, Leah, he said basically who it oh, was when, no, when he, he covered it with mediaite. No, that was well, that was a lie. That was a lie that he knew was a lie. And then finally, Leah, you say I never look at who writes a column. I really Do, don't. Oh, would you li- hold on a second? <laughs> He wrote on Facebook, this is the bravest piece I have ever seen written, and it's 100% true. Don't you think you might take a look at the byline of the person who wrote the bravest piece you've ever seen written, Leah? This is not, he didn't just say, oh, you might want to take a look at this. I don't know who wrote it, but it seemed kind of interesting. That's not what he said, all right? So did he? Okay, you're, so wait. You're so you're rational. So on that one, okay. No, the I think these are two separate issues. I no. really do. Okay. Now on that one, was your name on the article that he yes, linked to? Yes, of course. It. Okay then. But what's the big deal? <sighs> Leah. I mean, because I mean, you're, he you're acting said, like a Trump. You're a Trumpster. You're a Trumpster for Glenn Beck. Now you, listen. You, rationality and he, facts mean nothing. No, you will listen, rationalize I, anything. I, Okay, fine. hold Look, on one second. It's fine. Just it's hold fine. on one second. It's, it's fine. I think it's, it's different for the first one. Okay. However, however, I will say, I was waiting for him to go on the air with this one. Yeah. Now, and had what? he gone on the air with this one and not said your name, it would have made a difference for me. Uh, you're rationalizing. You're going to believe whatever you want to believe about Glenn Beck. Cause, no. And you, you, but Leah. No, you, you, you just have, want to uh, broad brush everybody. No, 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 Leah. Your history in, uh, with this thing is horrible. You you bought into Glenn Beck. You bought into Ben Carson. You bought into Ted Cruz. Well, there's nothing you, wrong you, with Glenn Beck. He's yeah. not a fraud. Oh, they're total fraud. I mean, he's total. just not. Have you seen some of the things he advertises for? I mean, it's just a joke. I mean, he he it is a, he, people um, should never trust him. Um, and and his personal narrative is 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 absurd. It's I mean it's, it's just flat out ridiculous. I mean it is not it is you have been fooled and he knows he's a well, smart guy. Well that's okay he's because a smart you know what guy. he went and rescued Christians okay. from Iraq. Not good. Okay. I'm not saying he's a horrible person. I'm just saying his personal narrative is a fraud. And a, and okay, and, it, and he tells people a lot of things that are not true because he wants to make money. Yeah, I'm not um, sure what he said that's not true. Uh, uh, well, uh, I listen every day it's, for three I've, hours. I've seen, I've seen his, I've seen the, the ads that he puts out there on his website, on his email list. They're like, you know, conspiracy nut job. The world is ending. Financial crisis. Buy gold. It's well, all my Patriot bull, supply. It's all, it's all <laughs> bull crap. It's all Y2K bull crap. Um, yeah, well, uh, anyway, you say that now. <sighs> Leah, in the history of our debates over who's a fraud and who's not, I'm batting a thousand. So um, just keep that in mind. We'll find out uh, soon enough. Eventually, you'll you'll see it. All right, um, we got to talk about the Supreme Court because you are you are a hundred percent right. I mean, you you nailed this, uh, I believe, um, when we first discussed the death of Antonin Scalia, and we talked about how this was all going to go down. Leah Brandon 
was the person uh, who I believe nailed it better than anybody else as to how Barack Obama was going to proceed. And we learned that uh, this week. We'll talk about it when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Zickler. She's Leah Brandon. She broadcasts from Birmingham, Alabama, and I do so from just outside of Los Angeles. This helps for a lot of reasons, one of which means we never get in a fist fight. Um, it's, Amen. Uh, it's only, Amen. Ver- only verbal because we're <laughs> different <laughs> sides of the country, which is a good thing, I guess, especially uh, when we talk about Glenn Beck. Um, we I need to talk about a bunch of other stories between now and the end of the program. And uh, the biggest this week clearly was the nomination by President Obama for a replacement to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, of Antonin Scalia. Leah, give us the update on that. Right. Well, after the death of Justice Antonin Scalia, Senate leader Mitch McConnell said that there would be no hearings on anyone that President Obama nominated for that position. He promised no up or down vote either. Well, President Obama nominated D.C. Appeals Court Judge Merrick Garland, who is being painted as possibly the most conservative judge a liberal like Obama could nominate. Now at least seven Senate Republicans have agreed to meet with Garland, but McConnell is standing firm at this time, even saying today this seat should remain vacant until 2017. We think the important principle in the middle of this presidential election, which is raging, is that the American people need to weigh in and decide who's going to make this decision. Now, the members of the Senate breaking rank with McConnell and sitting down with Garland, uh, which they're going to do in about two weeks, are mostly rhinos like Jeff Flake, Kelly Ayotte, and Susan Collins. All right. Now, i got to give credit where it's due. When Scalia passed away, I outlined two theories as to how Obama was going to react to this. Uh, the first theory I outlined was that he would put up the absolute worst possible candidate um, at first and then slowly get slightly better. Um, and the other option was he was going to put up the best candidate first and humiliate Republicans into taking that option. Otherwise, they're going to end up with something even worse than that, and that he would get progressively worse if there were multiple candidates. Now, uh, you said it was going to be option number two, and yeah. that appears to be exactly what Barack Obama did. And by the way, make no mistake, just how unbelievably, overtly, transparently political this oh, was. Yes. He does this on Wednesday, immediately after Donald Trump has effectively clinched the Republican presidential nomination, or at least gotten to a point where he's going to have to have it stolen from him, quote unquote. Um, if he's not the nominee, I mean, that's not a coincidence. That's that's purely political. And what Obama was doing was basically doing exactly what you said, which was, all right, folks, um, you say you're going to shoot down whatever I put up. I'm going to give you a guy who my people will accept. Your people won't because they can't because they have no political cover because you already said you're going to reject this person. Right. But, but they're going to be the best possible candidate you're going to get from me and oh yes. by the way the gun that you're holding to my head 
is is as empty as it's not even first of all it's not even an empty gun it's a water pistol because your nominee is not only someone who can't win he's someone that why would conservatives ever trust to get someone better than Garland to begin with it's, it's I mean, like he stands for all the where was this backbone <laughs> on the issues where it should have been strong. You talk about McConnell. Yes. And Mitch McConnell. Uh, well, you know, I, I, you know, I've mentioned before, I, I got to know Mitch McConnell a little bit in Louisville when I was there at WHGS. Not a big fan, uh. although he is a very good uh, bean counter, vote counter. Uh, I, I can't believe that McConnell is going to be dumb enough. Yeah. Uh, to to take this all the way through, because here's what's here's what's going to happen. If we if the Republicans do what McConnell is bluffing, and I do believe that it's at least partially a bluff, to what end, I'm not sure, because he has no leverage, and Obama knows he has no leverage. But if he takes this all the way to the end, here's what's going to happen. As we go through the summer and the media drumbeat continues, you know, why is there no vote? Why is why why are the Republicans not the party doing their, of no? Right. The party of no, no, they're not doing their constitutional duty, blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't matter, folks, about precedent. It doesn't matter nope. what, what the rules really are. The Biden rule right, doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter because Republicans are treated under a different set of rules. The Republican rules are whatever the media says on that day that they are. And when Obama's giving them the orders, that's not gonna be in their self-interest. So so we're going to have this drum beat. You know, why is Garland not getting a vote? Why is he not being treated fairly? Blah, 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 blah. And what's going to happen over the summer is it's going to become more and more apparent that Trump is not going to beat Hillary. So, right. so then what's McConnell going to be faced with? He's got two options, basically. Either accept Garland and eat an enormous amount of crow. And by the way, it won't just be eating crow. See, this is why this is the evil brilliance of Barack Obama. Obama Obama is not a dumb guy. Garland is somewhat moderate, except on the issue of the Second Amendment. Correct. Which is the perfect political candidate for Obama to nominate. Because if if McConnell does cave, it will be catastrophic for the Republican base. One, because they promised they wouldn't cave, and in caving... They dive right into the worst possible narrative about the Republican establishment, right? They've got no backbone, as you just said. They're cavers. They're cowards. So why should I go bother to vote for them? And, oh, by the way, they just confirmed a guy who's going to eliminate the Second Amendment. Correct. Which is a a huge voting issue for the Republican base, especially where you are in Alabama and and the South. Under those circumstances— I don't know that McConnell is going to save the Senate or nope. even or even the House. I mean, nope. it, it could the backlash could be so great. The Republicans lose the Senate, which I think they're going to lose if Trump's the nominee anyway, um, for reasons I'll explain in the next segment. But also, I think they could lose the House because the Republican base could be so demoralized by Garland's uh, confirmation and the and the cow, alleged cowardice and the and the, the 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 backing down after having made the pledge to not confirm anybody that it's going to be catastrophic. Of course, the other option is McConnell holds firm. They still get killed in the House and the Senate. Hillary is the president, and she gets to pick the replacement for Antonin Scalia, which will be even worse than Garland. I mean, this is the worst possible scenario that. 
could have, I could ever imagined. And um, it's just on that happy note. Yeah, on that happy note, we'll take a break. And if we're still <laughs> able to survive after that, and you're still with us, which hopefully you will be, we'll talk more about this and some other interesting stories in the news and the John and Leah show. The John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, which I urge you to check out for a number of reasons. Uh, before we move on to a couple other stories that I want to get to before the end of the program, I do want to just uh, add a couple more thoughts on the Garland nomination to the Supreme Court, Leah. And, you know, even though I don't like Mitch McConnell as a person, having gotten to know him a little bit when I was in Louisville, Kentucky, at WHAS there in Louisville, which broadcasts the John and Leah show each and every Sunday night. One of our 22 stations across this formerly great nation of ours. Hello, uh, Louisville. I, I, I do, love that city. Well, you're a horse person, so of course you do. <laughs> so uh, I, while I don't like Mitch McConnell, I, I do respect him. I, he's a smart guy. He's a very good politician in the purest uh, you know, phrase of that, or the pure, purest definition of the, of the he term. He is not politician. as good as Harry Reid. Well, because Harry Reid has more cards to play with because he's a Democrat with a with a with Obama as president. Okay, so anyway, I don't like McConnell. I respect him. I, I think Mitch made a colossal misjudgment yep. in, in when Scalia died to throw down the gauntlet and said, Nope, 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 no how, no way, no where. No, we're not gonna do anything. We're not gonna even give them a hearing, forget about it. I, that seemed to me to be a major mistake. You don't make a threat like that, especially when your base is suspicious that you are caving on them at all at all times. That you're a bunch of wimps that won't go to the mat for them. You don't right. set up a situation where you're going to be forced to cave unless you know how you're going to follow through on the threat. And He's an idiot, so, I think. So I, I don't respect him at all. Well... The only this thing is- the only thing I can figure, Leah, is that Mitch McConnell could not wrap his brain around the idea that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee. I think he thought Rubio would be the nominee. Rubio will win. I will have leverage because the polls will show that Rubio is going to beat Hillary, which is what they were doing. And, you know, even though this was only a few weeks ago and it was obvious to us that Trump was going to be the nominee, I don't think McConnell could make that work in his brain. And I think those people are so out of it. This is why America is angry. You know, this is why they are choosing outsiders, because people like him don't get it. Well, okay, but see here, you do understand, though, you're criticizing him for standing up and being strong, right? No, Uh, no, but this is he fights the wrong battles every time. Well, but see. I can at least understand why you'd think this is one you want a hill you want to die on because this is Scalia. This is the Supreme yes, Court. This is the future of the country. You, so, but it, it's like Donald Trump saying this is just a threat uh, that I'm going to put a tariff on. Why would you say it? 
Well, Why would you announce it? It's insanity. I, well, look, Keep I'm, your cards hidden. I'm agreeing with you. But see, I think that he was provoked into making the threat because of the fact that there's this narrative that he, that he and the establishment cave on everything. So I think they needed to, to say to their base, no, 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 don't worry. We're not going to cave on this. We're going to. We're going to draw a line in the sand. We're going to throw down the gauntlet, and we're not going to cave. I don't think they. I don't think McConnell realized that he would have no leverage in short order because Trump would be the nominee. He's going to get killed by Hillary in the polls, and they will have no way. They'll, they'll have no good options. And and by the no. way, let, let me make it very clear. This is the last point on this because I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the future because this ain't going to go away anytime soon. But. Here's why it's so critical for McConnell and the GOP Senate majority. And I don't, you know, at this point, I don't fear Hillary as president nearly as much as I used to because I'm accepted that she's going to win because Trump's going to be the nominee. I do fear her a lot more with a Democratic Senate. And here's why she's likely to get it. The Garland thing plays right in, no matter what happens, whether they confirm him or not, plays right into to two different bad narratives about Republicans. Either they cave or they're a bunch of nut jobs, um, <laughs> you know, the do-nothing Senate. So Obama basically set this up so there's no good narrative for the Republicans running for re-election. But here's the other thing, Leah, that people forget. The Republicans running for re-election in the Senate all got elected in 2010 which was an off-year election that where everything went the Republicans' way. Everything. Those senators running for re-election are going to face completely different voters. Far more voters because it's, it's a general election. Far more liberal voters because it's a general election. And maybe a tsunami of voters because there's going to be a ton of people who are going to be coming out to vote against Donald Trump, who they're going to be told is Hitler for the next seven months. Who, yeah. who do you think those people are going to vote for for Senate? They're not going to vote for Republicans. So the Republicans running for re-election are going to get massacred. Almost no matter what happens with Garland. Pick your poison. So that's why this is such a big deal. All right. Now here's the thing. Go buy a gun tomorrow. That's what you need to do. Might not be a bad idea. It's the one area of the economy that Barack Obama has done a tremendous job in improving is the gun sales uh, economy. So, uh, yeah, I I understand where you're you're coming from on that. All right. uh, A couple other news stories of interest before we we, uh, run out of time. Uh, I'm a big uh, free speech and First Amendment guy. There was an interesting court case that was rather salacious involving Hulk Hogan that has a First (laughs) Amendment element to it uh, and some other elements as well. Leah, tell us what happened there this week. Yeah, so Hulk Hogan apparently uh, made a, a, a big win in a lawsuit against Gawker Media. Hogan had sued Gawker uh, for $100 million after they posted a video of him having sex with his former best friend's wife. Now, Hogan claimed that it was a violation of his privacy, but Gawker claimed that the video was newsworthy commentary on the ordinariness of celebrity sex videos. Hogan won $115 million. Gawker says they'll appeal. And, by the way, it could be more than $115 million. 
and uh, because there's still the the punitive stage of this right. process, and it, this comes right on the heels of the Aaron Andrews uh, court uh, decision, which was fifty five million dollars, which she'll never see, uh, for her being taped against without even having any knowledge when she was in a Nashville hotel room. Um, now here's the deal. This is these are very complex cases, and we don't have much time to talk about them. Uh, with Hulk Hogan, the, the, first of all, <laughs> some of the testimony in this case was flat out hilarious. I don't know if you followed it at all. No. Uh, but um, Hogan took the stand as his real person, not as Hulk Hogan, who's a right, character. Right, whatever that name is. Right, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I forget what his real name is, okay? And one of the issues was the fact that he had talked openly about his sex life, for instance, on Howard Stern's show and other places. And so, therefore, this was a public issue, and therefore, he didn't have a right to privacy with the uh, publishing of the of the sex tape. Well, in the process of this, Hogan actually claimed, I believe on Howard Stern, that he had a, his penis was nine or ten inches, which, of course, is preposterous. <laughs> um, and he was asked on the stand whether or not his penis was nine or ten inches. <laughs> he actually said no. Hulk Hogan's penis is nine or ten inches. Mine is not. Oh, that's hilarious. Which my first thought was, maybe that's what Trump's talking about. Maybe the character (laughs) Donald Trump has a really big penis, but the actual person (laughs) does not. (laughs) Because when you think about it, Hulk Hogan and Donald Trump are very similar characters. As a matter of fact, have you ever seen the video of Trump beating the crap out of somebody at a a wrestling event? Yeah, he's a wannabe boy. Yeah, so so Hogan and Trump are are separated at birth in a lot of ways. Um, But here's here's the important part of the story. It has nothing to do with Hogan's penis, whether it's 9 or 10 inches or not. Um, And that is this. Essentially what happened here was that two things celebrities are now given more rights than the rest of us uh with regard to the 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 humongous sums of money being paid for alleged yeah. violations of of law and, and and hurting of reputations and and career Hulk Hogan's career wasn't hurt by this he had no career at this point by the way right. Aaron Andrews career wasn't hurt in fact it was helped by that whole deal that doesn't mean it wasn't wrong that doesn't mean there weren't damages but people need to understand wrongful deaths and i know this cuz my mother was killed in a car accident wrongful deaths average way less than a million dollars in civil yeah. in civil verdicts okay oh sure 55 million dollars because your career was actually helped by a uh, a surreptitiously recorded tape of you undressing yeah, in a national hotel i mean hey listen i i i think the 55 million is right on target why I think the where one, was the damage and i'll where tell you what it has nothing to do with her career and see that's how you're looking at it but that's how it, the law says leah is it, right there needs but to here's be the thing there's no her damage. life her life okay. has been ruined by this uh, well even if i accept that i'm, I'm fine everywhere with, she goes again, I, that that's not true. I mean, it, she's on television all the time, and no one ever mentions it, um, and and very few people ever even saw it. But more importantly, okay, seventeen you, million people. Okay, Leah, <laughs> I just said you you said her life was ruined. Okay, if she no, had, that's what she said would on you the listen stand. To me? The, the, the we just said if her life was ruined, fine. That's not worth fifty five million dollars when people die. When people are killed because of 
purposeful acts by other people, they get a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars. Her reputation, her life, she wasn't killed by this. And, okay, and, Zig, uh, maybe uh, I'm talking uh, about that the settlement for the wrongful death is too low. Oh God. Okay, well then, then we can't exist as a society. Then we we cannot exist as a society if these if these if that's going to be the the nature of the punishment. By the way, back to Hulk Hogan. I loathe Gawker. Gawker is a left-wing mud-slinging website which owns, among other places, Deadspin.com, which is a mortal enemy of me. They have trashed me and lied about me numerous times. I will be thrilled to see Gawker go down because of this, and a lot of people think they'll have to go down. But but that doesn't mean it's right. The amount of money is ridiculous. And it's and somehow now we've gotten a, a provision of the First Amendment where if it's not newsworthy, even though the person's a celebrity, a public person, Hulk Hogan, if it's not newsworthy, and that's what the judge ruled here, that somehow the sex tape is not newsworthy because his sex life is not, quote unquote, a news story. Which, you know, who the hell knows what a news story is in this day and age anyway. But yeah. but the reality is now we've now carved out an exception to the First Amendment where you get privacy if it's not a news story, even if you are a public figure. And because you're a celebrity, you're gonna get a hundred and fifteen million dollars. If yeah. I mean if it was if it was me or you, Leah, we would we wouldn't get ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So I, I I'm offended by the fact that celebrities now have more rights. Than, than, than normal people do under the law here. Um, and, right, and he knew he was being taped, okay? That's the other thing. Well, he knew he was being taped, I'm, I'm not sure. and they sure leaked it. That? Are you sure about I'm not sure that he knew that, but um, I think he was being surreptitiously taped. But that's I don't think that's even that necessarily a big deal. That's a legal issue, but I'm not sure it's necessarily related to what we're talking about. All right, when we come back in our final segment um, – I, I, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, but it'll be good, I promise, <laughs> <laughs> on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. <laughs> This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Uh, this week, obviously, was the um, first two rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament. And, um, you know, it's been hard for me to get into the tournament for the last several years, ever since one and done basically took over college basketball. I used to be a huge college basketball fan, having gone to Georgetown University and having grown up in the Philadelphia area and spent a lot of time at the Palestra going to college basketball games, uh, it's just not the same. But this particular year, there have been so many amazing games, including one tonight, Texas A&M, uh, winning in double overtime in a remarkable um, comeback against Northern Iowa, which some people are calling the most amazing comeback in the history of the tournament. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it because obviously I was doing the show, but it's been in remarkable a number of very close games and a lot of upsets. I, I don't have time to get into the details, but there's an important story within the NCAA tournament that the media has completely ignored. And I, I want, if you're at all interested, Google Yale basketball captain railroading or railroaded mm. or lawsuit, whatever, some, some verbiage that will get you to the story uh, because 
Yale actually made it to the second round of the tournament, which was a big shocker. And the media completely ignored the fact that their captain was kicked off the team, expelled from school. The team was banned from even supporting him uh, by the school. The school publicly condemned the team for supporting their captain having been taken off the team, all because of an alleged sexual assault situation. Now, obviously, sexual assault is horrible. When you look at the details of what this guy is accused of, this is ridiculous. This was a person he was dating, and on the fourth night over, there was some sort of an episode where the woman continued to stay over that night, continued to be friendly. The report didn't happen for another year. And this guy, his whole life is ruined. He's expelled from Yale. He's suing uh, Yale. And the media ignores it, I believe, because he's white. If he was black, the team would not have been stopped from supporting him. It would be considered racist and all the be- all the rest. But here's a white guy having what appears to be sex with his girlfriend who goes crazy on him for some reason, and his whole life is destroyed. This is where the life. This is the world we're living in now, folks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and so check that out if you get a chance. Now, Leah, you had an interesting situation. Speaking of sports, Jim <laughs> Rome is a very well-known national sportscaster yes. who uh, is also a horse owner. You are a horse enthusiast, and you devote your life to not only raising or, or keeping the three horses that you own, but also saving other horses in rescue situations. Uh, you had a situation where you basically helped save Jim Rome's horse today. Uh, tell us well, about that real quick. Yeah. So uh, a very good friend of mine runs a 501c3. It's called uh, Auction Horses Rescue, and it's in California. And, um, you know, a lot of people may not know this, but uh, there are horse auctions every single week. Like you might see a horse race today, and next week it's at an auction, and it's sold to slaughter. And so it's a hundred to 200,000 horses go across the border every year to Mexico and are slaughtered. So there are many organizations trying to stop this. Well, last night, as I'm looking through my Facebook feed, I see auction horses rescue has a horse at an auction that used to belong to Jim Rome. And so I, just break into a panic and I start tweeting to Jim Rome. I don't obviously have his phone number. I start sending direct messages to jungle racing. I mean, not even, not even knowing, is he ever going to look at this? His Facebook page doesn't have, you know, any, uh, anything uh, listed since October. I'm freaking out. So this morning, the night goes by and lots of people have jumped in that are all connected to him. And then this morning he sends me these messages just distraught over this horse. He had no idea they had given it. He had, he had given this horse to a good home, a forever home. He retired it on purpose. Jim Rome went above and beyond the, today to make sure that that horse is well taken care of, sponsoring. It's at a retirement home. And I just want to say that, boy, that really shows his character because this is not, I'm not going to say that it's not the majority, but it's certainly not every owner in horse racing. So the bottom line is that Jim Rome's former horse was put in a place where he's going to be okay. Yes, absolutely. Now, how did you end up getting in touch with, I mean, all these dead links, I mean, did he get back in touch with you? Is that how this occurred? 
Yes, he did. I seriously, I sent him five <laughs> direct messages on Facebook to Jungle <laughs> Racing. The first so, one was, so, where the horse is, hurry, hurry. Here's the phone number for the horse, hurry, hurry. And, and, uh, and by the way, you, you don't know Jim Rome? You've never had contact I don't know with him? I, you don't I even know. No if, you don't even know if he cares about the horse, by the I way. I have no idea. You know, <laughs> the third one was, here's the listing, here's the listing. And then the fourth one was, hey, it's okay, don't worry, the horse is safe. And then the fifth one, you know, he lost shared belief, which was this great horse. And the fifth one was, hey, I'm sorry about shared belief, but it's great that your horse is safe. And then this morning, he was genuinely distraught. It really touched my heart. Good guy. Good guy. Well, that surprises me because I've never been a fan of Jim Rome. Um, He's a showman. Uh, and a bit of a phony on the air, but maybe off the air, he's a good guy. So I'll take your word for it. And I'm glad that you were able to help him out there and, and help the horse. And I know how, pa- I mean, you're passionate about um, nothing more than about your horses. I mean, your horses yes. are your life. Uh, and in fact, we purchased one of your three horses together when we were on a KFI <laughs> in Los Angeles. How is Lucky doing? Lucky is doing fantastic. You've done I'm am- scared. I'm trying to starve him to death now because he gained a whole bunch of weight. That, so when we got him, the notion that you would ever be starving him was beyond. It was more that was crazier than Donald Trump being the Republican presidential nominee. He was that skinny. Uh, but He's no des- longer a bag of bones. Well, you deserve a lot of credit. All right, Leah, have a great week. Uh, we will be on next week on Easter Sunday. So hope to join. I uh, hope you'll join us then. Get the podcast at freespeechbroadcasting.com starting Monday morning. And until next week, have a great week. I'm John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. This is the John and Leah Show. So long, everybody. Good night.